Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast that bridges the gap between goal setting, science, and peak performance. I'm your host, Jamie Phillips, a former professional goalie, currently pursuing a doctorate in physical therapy and specializing in goalie performance coaching. Joining me as always is Dr. Ben Cernick, a seasoned goalie coach and sports analytics specialist. Whether you find yourself at home, on the road, or at the rink, grab a cup of your favorite beverage and let's drop the puck on this week's episode. Jamie, Ben, tell the people why I hate you. Because I, because I care about this podcast. I care about the future of the podcast. And Ben obviously does not because now <laughs> what we're trying to do is I'm trying to improve that some of the video quality just for, for YouTube, for content and, and just kind of continue to grow it. So I, I did make Ben set up his phone on a tripod to record instead of using zooms very uh compressed video footage so if you were watching on youtube thank you if you're listening on your on any of your podcast apps go give us a watch on youtube and let us know um and then tell ben that he needs to care more about this pod it's first my camera's not good enough so i get a new camera and then first next my phone's not good enough so i get a new phone it's an endless list of things no it I, is it is an endless list why do you think yeah. my backdrop isn't good enough and i <laughs> i spent seven hours making a logo and i gotta go get some led light strips for it today because oh, it never God. ends but you know what i care i care about the goalies listening um anyways ben before we start do you have anything other than me to complain about yeah, I, I'm gonna. It's it's well, it's a day and end that ends in Y. So let's complain about uh, RVHs. Yeah, okay, yeah, RVHs. Let's get into it. Uh, no, I actually uh, saw some some takes on the Joseph Wall injury uh, that were, you know, because of how he plays into his posts, he had uh, sus- made his ankles susceptible to the high ankle sprain. And hey. I honestly, Jamie, I have never had my eyes roll farther into my skull than than reading what did- that. What did we talk about last time where we talked about like understanding your lane, staying in it? And I get like, if you're a hockey writer, like everyone has their opinion. It's just, it, it is who it is. But also like some people's opinions carry more weight than others. And uh, also if you know what you're talking about, it's important. That's again, it's like me watching uh, a quarterback and he throws a pick and I, and I try to break that down. I don't know anything about, I can barely throw a spiral. I'm pretty bad at football. Yeah, so me too. I, I watch that and I go, huh, probably shouldn't have thrown it there, but I don't know. I don't know anything about this. What do I know, right? I don't know anything. So I'm not going to make a tweet talking about it. Uh, Unfortunate injury though. High ankle sprains. Suck. Not terrible. No bueno. They they aren't good and they aren't great for goalies because the butterfly. Really bad for goalies. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really unique position and I wish I had my anatomy skeleton, but it's at my parents' house. You don't need Uh, an anatomy skeleton. Grow up. I like to show the viewers who are watching on 4K and on YouTube now. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, when you butterfly, it's a lot of uh, ankle eversion. So the outside of your ankle rolls up and that um, 
that motion combined with a little bit of dorsiflexion puts a lot of stress on the ankles. And yeah, it, you know, in the RVH to, to people's opinions, the RVH does put a lot of stress on your ankles. Not, don't know if it's generally more than other positions, but it's one of those ones where when you're a goalie, kind of like everything isn't great. So when you have a high ankle sprain and you drop down the butterfly, you're getting a lot of force through that ankle and it is super painful. So I, I built upon Ben's pretty good tweet that he made. I put on Instagram where I, where I said like general rule of thumb in, in physical therapy and um, recovery is like, you're looking at like four to six weeks for the general population for high ankle sprain. I would like to extend that in goalies to about six to 10 yeah, not it's not probably, really. Yeah. yeah, not really the structurally. Structurally, it's probably going to heal it's the same fine. or faster. It's mm-hmm. going to be there's going to be a period of time when you're playing through uh, pain, and that period of time is long. And yeah, so so I'm actually dealing with this with one of my my EGM goalies who's not a high ankle sprain, but he's having ankle injuries. And I asked him like, "What's your pain?" Using the classic uh, like ten scale, and he's like, "I'm playing." It's like when I use it in the RVH only, I'm at a six out of ten. I'm like, okay, well, that's, that's a lot. So my goal with him is to get it and manage it so that he's playing with a three or four out of 10, something that he's going to be able to manage. And if it's just the RVH, he's going to be able, he's only in that position so many times a game where it's not that, that bad, but it's a a pain management thing. And speaking anecdotally, I had a high ankle sprain um, right after I signed professional contract immediately blew up my ankle training camp. Um, And I, and everyone was like, oh yeah, four to six weeks. So no. what I did is after three weeks, every single Friday, I after seeing the our, our AT on our team attack, I went to um I just went, I put on my lower body and I did one butterfly. And it just felt awful. And it hurt so much. And every single week, and until week eight was the first time that my pain was under probably a seven out of ten. And then I was like, okay. So then I stayed on the ice for like five minutes and then I had pain from, so that would have been training camp in actually it would have been clear July. So I would have had pain from about July to January. Nice. I was playing my entire first part of my, at my first pro season, I was playing through some degree of pain and it's just an unfortunate injury. So all the best to Joseph Wall. Yeah. Um, if you're a Leafs fan, we are sorry. Don't expect him to be back right away. Um, this one, this is one of those ones that does take some time. So it is unfortunate, unfortunate um, injury for him. Yeah. I remember same thing. I had that injury when I was 18 and honestly, really similar mechanism to what happened to wall where my skate got like pinned into the post and I just went over it. Like, so my, there's no room for my ankle to go. Um, and I thought I had broken my leg. Like, that's what it feels like when you do it. Oh, like, you, yeah. you, think, you think your leg is broken. Like that's, that's- how much it hurts. I've broken one bone in my body is my pinky finger, which is why it's super crooked. Um, but when I, so mine was my mechanism injury is I just caught my outside edge and I yeah. over it. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I remember it was in, a, it was at develop, it was at development camp and with the jets and we were playing a scrimmage. And I remember I finished out the play and I got up and I kind of like pushed one leg, pushed myself to the bench. And I told Mike Keen, two times Stanley cup, two times, maybe two or three times Stanley cup champion. I was like, Hey, Keener, I think I just broke my ankle. And he goes, well, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure my, I just broke my ankle. And then, so I like kind of pushed my way to the bench and then I just like, I almost fainted. <laughs> the pain was so bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's but, terrible. Jamie, do you remember when, so on that, that first butterfly, I remember. So I think most people who, I think any goalie who has a high ankle sprain and doesn't know this, like you get, did you go boot? Did you have an air cast at all or no? No, no cast, nothing. Like the, the, the crazy and the frustrating part was I could do everything except yep. butterfly. I, I was squatting like heavy yep. weights. I was pushing sleds, no problem. Dorsiflexion was fine. Soon as I did a butterfly, just take a knife and put it into my leg. Yeah, I remember it was the same thing. I remember mine was kind of gnarly. I actually was in an air cast for a couple of weeks or a boot for a couple of weeks. Uh, but I get off of it. I feel great. I'm walking around. feels awesome. I skate just skating around, like just, just tracksuit and skates, shuffling mm-hmm. T-push. I'm like, ah, okay. It feels a little weak, but like feels dynamite. And I was like, Oh, it feels pretty good. Like maybe I'm going to get back. And at the time I'm like trying to get back for, I was in boarding schools, so trying to get back for like a big Christmas tournament. And I put my lowers on the next day and again, feel good. Like I'm bouncing around, I'm T-pushing. I just go for a butterfly and I drop down and I just don't move. 
because I'm like, I just broke my leg. <laughs> like the first butterfly, and probably same timelines, you about three weeks in, and you're like, oh my God, it is unbearably painful. Like the first with trying to butterfly with the high ankle sprain. So, I know. And I, yeah. And like my swelling wasn't, well, it was, it's swell, the swelling was kind of bad originally. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, and, and you're going to lose your mind on this one. It's funny, but everyone's got their own opinion. But I, I had, uh, my AAT did some like, just like um, inflammation acupuncture, where it's just shoot as many needles as you can for 10 minutes. And it sure, did a lot not? and it got the blood flow down. And since then I didn't have any inflammation and things were great. And I, I, like I said, at like week three, I was like, oh, I'm back. <laughs> I, I was not back. You were not back. I was very far from returning. And actually yeah. I remember even when I, and it wasn't even after week eight, when I did my first butterfly, I went and golfed. And the rotary component, because I was like, oh, we're good. So I, I go to tee up a drive and I'm a lefty. So the leg that it was my lead leg and the one I turn on, I almost I'll passed out. I almost yeah. passed out on the tee box. And then from there, I was like, I, I told him, I told the group I was playing with, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm not going to hit anything off the tee. I'm just going to hit from someone's ball and I'm chipping and I'm not turning my foot. Yeah. Oh, so- oh yeah. It's like, again, it's. I mean this, and this is just the reality. Maybe this will be kind of the last part of the segment today on this. It's, but it's not because I have something else to talk about ankles. Oh, okay. Well, the then last point of this exact note is that it is a faster recovery to just straight up snap a bone in your leg. Oh, it, it, yeah. It is a way yeah. easier recovery to just break your leg with yeah. your lower leg. So tibia or fibula. It's better. Yeah. It's yeah. If you way better if you have just an break it than high ankle sprain. You yeah. want a broken bone. Um, what I was gonna say is this. It kind of. I mean, we are goalie science, and we are. <laughs> rehab professionals and uh, one of us is almost a rehab professional one of us is one. almost and one of us was licensed but now it's, it's just an act it's just hanging it's just out a stats right guy yeah. yeah i went through the education um for me it's just now i just have to spend a certain amount of hours and then the old governing board says hey you're qualified even Good though job, already, even though i'm already doing i've been doing 100 percent caseload for the last 12 weeks doesn't anyways matter. doesn't matter anyways um Ankle ankle mobility is like really was hot. It sort of get it, it comes in waves. On the internet, it was hot for a little bit. Uh, it's definitely incredibly overrated for goalies. And Super, gonna, yeah, yeah. And I think the thing is too is like you know because you'll 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 go off ice and then you'll try to do like a lot of things. And hockey players and goalies admittedly have like usually very stiff ankles, and it's because our our legs are locked into a boot for so long and so we don't need the full range of motion and i actually was talking to trav for oilers the other day and he's like how do i improve ankle range of motion i was like why he's like well i need to be able to sit farther uh forward and dorsiflexion over my foot and i'm like i don't think you do and he's like what do you mean i was like he's like well i wear the connects i can get more range i was like possibly sure. but two things gaining ankle range of motion is very hard and takes a very very long time our achilles and our calves do not want to be super mobile. Um, so to get any meaningful range, you're looking at probably like a three to six month timeline for any significant improvements. And even then, your the boot, it, like your skate probably isn't going to let you use it. And I think that yeah. that's where everyone gets like, because we because I like we had talked about UC Soros and his ankles, and that's just like a genetic thing. And the only way, like having super flexible ankles and super strong and flexible ankles, would be beneficial is if you're playing ultra wide. But you probably shouldn't be playing ultra wide. Nope. So, and that's the so, thing is like, he'll be like, how do I get my ankles are too stiff? And like, and yeah, if they're limiting your ability, like off the ice training, you don't want to like you want to improve it because just generally overall being healthy and moving well is important. But for like for goalies, ankle range of motion is very is very overrated. And honestly, if you look at like a lot of studies when it comes to like power and ex- and being explosive, uh, usually stiffer ankles uh, shows some uh, some correlation to more power. That's it, kind of a you could you could debate that either way. But is the juice worth the squeeze for gaining ankle range of motion for goalies? Probably, almost definitely not. Yeah, I mean, you just need like a base amount, right? Yeah, and like, like you need you need your you standard. Would, you amount. would know if you didn't have the pre the requisite yeah. amount. Yep, exactly. You would know. Yeah. Yeah. And again, you, you're sometimes fighting against your own anatomy too, right? We're all different. There's no, it's, there's no, like, I wouldn't go out as far to say that you shouldn't spend time working on it if you want to work on it. Yeah. But it's at the same time, there's a priority list of what's going to be the most worth your time. And you're probably, again, if you want to work on ankle mobility, you know, do some lower body exercises where you spend some time deep in an ankle mobile range, right? 
just sit in a squat for five minutes. Yeah, squats, split squats, lunges, things that force the yeah. knee over the toe if you really want to work on it. Uh, but you don't need to, you know, don't need to get the bands out for 30 minutes and move your ankles around every day with them. Unless again, no. unless you find unless that, you want to. Unless yeah, you unless want you want to. to. Yep. Unless, unless you want to. And if you feel better doing it for yeah. sure. Yeah. But that's a, that's just like thing. from like the actual by like the biomechanic standpoint of goalies and their ankles is like your your foot's pretty darn locked. And players have a higher boot, so their foot they're super even more locked, super which locked. is also yeah. why high ankle sprains are the most common sprains because you're not going to get a low ankle sprain because that thing's really locked in. Um, yeah. So actually, actually, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the other part of it is like the high ankle sprain is, it's a bit of a misnomer too, right? Because like, yes, it affects some aspects on the inside of the ankle, but what's really happening is your two bones are like splaying apart yeah. in the middle, right? It's so like, you have it's, this it's, connect- in, it's in your, basically thinking you're outside your shin. Yeah, stop cutting me off. I was finishing that. You sentence. stop cutting me off. Um, I don't. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the bones, the bones yeah. of your lower leg. Like again, there's a little bit of an. Sometimes there's a little bit of uh, an issue on the medial side, the inside of the ankle. But most, and even I wrote that, and I, after I wrote that, I was like, ooh, not entirely true. But it's uh, it's the splaying of your two lower leg bones. You have this like connective tissue, a syndesmosis is what they call it. Syndesmosis. And every um, time your ankle goes, your foot goes towards your shin. That spreads your bones apart and that's it's like basically you're re-tearing it over and over and over again and that's why it feels so bad it hurts a lot um the last thing i'm going to say about ankles and then we'll move into the other the scouting science uh goalie science Ooh. is um with that one goalie i was talking about my junior goalie she's dealing with his it's uh, he it's from a broken talus that's kind of reoccurring mm-hmm. so it's a little different um but he was saying, foot for those at home yeah but he was saying like Oh, like I, I wear connects so I can get more range of motion. And I was saying, I actually think we might even look at changing your skate and putting you in a stiffer boot, because if that's going to lock you in, especially if we can get some like, like, a, like athletic tape and ankle to get you in a wrap to reduce that range of motion, that's causing that pain. That might be the case. So, um, yep. and, and, that, and that's, that's why I do really love the fact that I, as much as I hate all the time and effort I spend into doing being a PT and the money and the miserable stuff and, and the Medicare cuts that are happening again. But anyways, nice. um, I like being able to solve problems like this with that expertise. And that is something, you know, important. I, I, I do appreciate that. But Ben, yeah. originally before we all went off and talked about ankles, um, <laughs> I, I wish people could kind of see our, the group chat you and uh, Bouge and I have, because it, it would be really funny. But we were talking about uh, about scouting, and I think we're going to call it the science of scouting. That's probably what we're going to title this podcast. Are, um, we, are you making the titles now? I don't know. Well, I actually always make the titles. Then you we sometimes <laughs> our titles, titles are not the same <laughs> at all. We never we never are on the same page. I just make no. one, and then it just is what it is. But the science of scouting, and Ben, you are in charge. You are more heavily involved in scouting. That I am. I do scout for certain junior teams. I do. I did scout for uh, Michigan Tech for some time, and occasionally other teams at various levels will um, will ask me to evaluate certain goalies. Um, this is going from the pro all the way down to to minor hockey. So it it is very different. But Ben, this is a topic I know you're very passionate about. So I would like you to take the lead. And for the the goalies and parents listening, I think we're going to try to talk about like the realities realities of it. And like what you can, you should and shouldn't do. And then does it, how much does like just scouts and oh, the scouts are here. How much does it actually really matter and influence your overall growth development and then long-term, you know, pursuits as a goalie. So Ben, take us away. Jamie, I think this is an awesome question and I think we'll find some answers to it after the break. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra. And I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, we're back. Let's talk about scouting, Jamie. So I think the first thing that is worth noting is that not every team has a goalie person on staff. And this is especially true at lower levels, whether it is minor hockey. And let's like be aware that I don't think anyone is for a minor team. I don't think we can call really anyone a scout per se. I think we just have coaches who are watching players. Um, but when we get even into like the junior levels, right, there's not always a goalie person on staff. And there's not always a goalie person working with the staff. And that can be at a lot of different junior levels, right? So if we think of like, if we think, look at something like uh, the, the CHL, every team has a goalie coach, right? But their involvement with the scouting department ranges pretty significantly. Yeah. I know some coaches who are heavily involved in the scouting process, but whereas they were actually go and watch stuff. I know other coaches who would give kind of like a checklist for scouts to look at. And then I know some teams who had their goalie coach completely uninvolved in the process. Now that's probably surprising to some people, but Jamie, that's pretty much the the reality of it. First off the bat, like, yeah, it's surprised to see. Yeah. There, there's very little to, there's very little scout, like, designated goalie scouts um that's typically arranged for basically the nhl i mean that person at the nhl is in charge of um you know evaluating their american league ones but even then that goalie person isn't doing the scouting themselves it's often times a coach who says hey i saw this goalie let me know what you think in the minor hockey systems it's if there is a contracted goalie coach. So somebody who coaches privately runs their own business in a coaching school that sometimes they'll be brought in for tryout situations and that's it. Their job is to evaluate the goalies on the ice or, or do, or someone will send them a clip uh, of this. Uh, okay, here we go. But I, people, people aren't like, they, I don't know of actually, I don't even know of any goalie coaches who are going out actively only scouting goalies. It doesn't happen. Um, even when I was recruited to Michigan tech, it was our assistant coach who knows nothing about goaltending. And he said that he's like, I don't know anything about goalies, but I think he's like, I, for some reason, I, I like what you do. Yeah. Here's my card. And so th- that's important to remember that when you get scouted, because we're talking about when, when you get to the age where scouting actually becomes um, somewhat important, it's, Almost, I can almost guarantee a goalie coach is not the one finding you. Um, it's going to be like someone who doesn't know anything, and all they're just looking at is they're just being like, "I think this guy or girl looks like a goalie." Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of it's like again, we can complain about all the things that goalies lack, but it's just there's not a lot of us, and there's not a lot of us that kind of know what we're doing or we're looking for. So it just doesn't make sense to have someone a full time person to do this all the time. It's the money just isn't there. Um, yeah, like I think one of the first realities, and this is not, is I don't agree with this, but it is what how it is, is that your general optics, like we talked about robotic goalies last week, but your general optics to look like a goalie, and again, I'm saying not your ability to stop the puck at all, yeah. <laughs> but your ability to look like the kind of goalie people associate with as being elite goalies. Like the amount of times I have people say like, oh, I think this goalie plays just like Carey Price. And that's, some, sure, I probably don't. They don't at all, but that's okay. Um, that is really important when you have people who are not goalie people scouting, right? So I think a, yes. a story for that is- That's uh, your foot in the door. Yeah, a goalie that, so a goalie that I worked with um, last year is playing division one hockey now, but they were an, just, they're an excellent goalie. Like super, super, super good. And they did not get offers basically the entire year. And they were super frustrated from it. And they were like undoubtedly a division one caliber goalie. This wasn't even really a debate. Like they, they were going to find a D1 spot. They did, right? But they had a bunch of people 
who they were better than committing and getting offers, which I think is a common experience for lots of people who are playing juniors. You know, why is this person who I'm better than getting an offer? I'm not going to get. And part of their problem in all honesty is they didn't look like the typical prototype of what people think goaltending is. They were technically super proficient, super efficient, excellent puck trackers, great skater, but you know, they weren't wearing Bauer mocks. So you couldn't hear them butterfly from 800 feet away. You know, you know what I mean? Like, just like yeah. the, the it, like it, the crisp looking stuff, like just looking crisp. Like they didn't look crisp when they made saves. They made saves it, controlled it, and excellently. They didn't look crisp. So they didn't get offers. Yeah. It was silly, really. I'm laughing at this because like, it's so true. And <laughs> and for, and if you're the, if you're a goalie coach listening and you're going to be like, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then if you're a goalie parent too, you might've experienced this as well, but it's just, especially when we're talking about minor hockey aside. So we're talking about into junior um, and college and pro that scouting and recruiting is based off of potential. Most likely it's, it's not as heavily put into what is they, what are they doing right now? It's like, I see this goalie being somewhere, you know, somewhere or i can see them being this in the future so that's what um that's what they're looking off of and it's like do they look like a goalie do they look like some sort of nhl goalie that i've seen before like and then that's what that's what most will take into consideration and then from seeing it and like being scouted from other teams when i was younger and all these things is it's like do you look like a goalie and i definitely didn't so i don't know how i even made it but do they look like a goalie and then then we, we'll talk about stats. Then it's like, are their stats okay? Okay is the keyword. Like, and okay. I, when, I, when I say okay, I mean like, is there a nine in front of save percentage, and is there a two in front of goals against? And even then, like, big and it's asterisk. a race. Yeah. yeah, and it's like a big asterisk. And even then, it doesn't even have to be good. But then we're like, oh well, okay. So it's like the 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 you know the net that that's cast when it comes to scouting goalies is so wide that yep. we can't like i'm not we're not gonna if you're looking for specifics unfortunately we're not gonna be able to give them this episode or ever because it just doesn't it's it's just it's really it's really crazy how it works but um looking like a goalie and it gets your foot in the door and so many people will be like how is this person committing they're not good or how are they getting offered it's just because they look like a goalie. ultimately over time if you are better you are going to continue to advance i think like derek talked about that when we were when I, we were on he was on the pod he talked about um myself versus um some of my other goalie partners i trained with where i didn't like have that natural like smooth goalie ability or other goalies did but my ability to stop the puck was just generally pretty good and so o- over time and through a lot of adversity i was able to progress progress but that foot in the door is super important. Um, do you have anything else to add to that? Or because I want to start to talk about like the U12, 13, the young kids. No, I got one more thing to kind of say about the looks behind it. But for everyone listening and watching who has seen the movie, like has seen Moneyball, mm-hmm. the movie where there's this scene in the scouting room, like early in the movie, where you know the old time scouts are like good body, lots of confidence. That is exactly what still happens with goalies <laughs> and to some degree players. Like yeah. that is, that is not, that is not gone in hockey at all. Right. And it's especially mm-hmm. pertinent to goaltending when people aren't familiar with the intricacies that go into goaltending and what actually leads to successful goaltending. Right. I can't, I want to ex- begin, like I can't even begin to explain how many times I've been in the room with many coaches from many levels. And the first thing they say is I'm not a goalie guy, but I like this goalie. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a goalie guy, but that is yeah. the number one. I, or again, I don't know goaltending, but that is or, the number yeah. one. Can you tell, tell me what you think, but I really like this guy. I'm not, but I'm not a goalie guy. Yeah, exactly. And so a part of that is, again, it's going to be a few things. It's going to be this is the dumbest thing ever, but it's so true. It's how do you butterfly? I cannot tell you like when someone butterflies, I know Jamie's cringing and laughing, but we've had these conversations where like, you'll hear a scout or a coach be like, they just snap into that butterfly, which is true. Goalies most often do snap into the butterfly. Uh, I would say almost all goalies do. Are you like, if you're going down one leg at a time, yeah, you're probably... (laughs) 
but it's <laughs> and again the other thing that people love to be assessed with, i kind of said it before but is the idea of like a calm goalie mm. like you know what i mean like, like plays like price is again like i said i, I said that earlier but that's yeah. the number one thing i hear normally goalies who look like carry price and are not first round nhl draft picks probably don't do anything like carry price yeah I it's know, normally it's... I, I find that's normally an expression that's used to describe a goalie who doesn't move very quickly yeah um, <laughs> because i know it, it's it's so nuanced like it's just scouting goalies is just i don't know how any i don't know how anything ever happens it's just a lot of taking chances yeah, and that that's was like, exactly it. Yep. When we were when you were talking in our, in our group chat, we talked about the average out of all the goalies that get drafted in the OHL, the average number of games played was two. Yeah, it might actually be like in the median games is zero. So like, <laughs> right, like getting drafted in the OHL. Don't be wrong; it is a great path for lots of people. Mm-hmm. Whether you go on to play a long professional college, career, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whether you whether you go on to play a lengthy professional career. Or you play your years out and you go uh, and play in, in U sport or Canadian University Hockey, whatever that looks like. But admittedly, most goalies who get drafted into the CHL don't play in the CHL, right? And also, this is there's always exceptions. Like in examples like, like Alex Nijelkovic, who was a sixth round OHL draft pick. If you're not drafted in the first four rounds of a CHL draft, the exception again being the WHL because they draft so early and that's a bit of a mess. But if you're not in mm-hmm. the first four rounds of the OHL or the QH, QMJHL draft, like your odds of of playing significant games in that league is is so low, like so 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 low. And there's exceptions, yeah. so no one get mad at me with your favorite exception. Uh, but again, it's yeah, you're t- you're taking yeah. chances and et cetera et cetera. So don't be so obsessed with that process. You don't need to yeah. be. Um... And then, yeah, so before we go in there, I just want to give people who are, are listening, we were talking about, you know, do they look like a goalie or, or so, and, you know, what are scouts looking for? So I will, I will give you my scouting formula and this is, this is it. So often I get a lot of highlight reel clips. I don't want those. Don't send me highlight reels. Nope. Um, when someone sends me a goalie and they say, take a look, um, Usually it's just like a surface level glance and I'll be like, "Eh, eh," but it doesn't really tell me anything. I like to see 10 games. I watch the, I know I usually use, I use Instat. If Instat, if you're listening, gives a sponsor, please. But uh, I use Instat and what I do is I take 10 games. I also want to see their worst game, their best game. And then I pick eight games at random in between. And I look at how do they look in their worst game? How do they look in their best game? How do they look at all the games in between? And for me, I'm looking at consistency throughout. I'm looking at the worst game looks identical or similar to their best game and vice versa. And everything looks in this, looks similar. And then I can kind of make my evaluation based on consistency over a period of time. So for me, I'm looking at who is going to be the most consistent, who's going to give us a chance to win every night. I've kind of come up with this formula in my brain where it's like if you can basically getting pulled once out of every 10 games is is probably a real a realistic thing in, in like junior hockey. Yeah, um, getting a shutout, getting, yeah, like getting a shutout every, at least once every 10 games is probably what you're looking at. So I want to see the best and the worst. What is all the other games in between like? Because that is the bulk of what's happening. Where because like I'll get someone will send me a shutout game. And I'm like, I that doesn't help me. Like I want to see what kind of goals are you giving up? Like I want to see that. Um, so that's that's my scouting process is evaluate 10 games. Um, I very rarely make calls. I don't think I ever really make calls unless someone is very obviously like this guy is a or girl is a very good skater. I'm going to watch more of them, or yep. technically they are not proficient. I'm going to watch a little bit, but they're not high on my list right now. And that's, that's my scouting structure is 10 games. What are you doing over 10 games? Yeah. And again, that's like a pretty reasonable sample size. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've talked about that number being probably the bare minimum to have an understanding of how they're going to play different situations. Yeah. And all right. in reality is like when you look at college hockey, we're looking at, we start to look at goalies and this is going to tie into like our age. We start to look at goalies probably when they're 16, 17 ish. And it's not scouting hardcore. It's like, are they playing on a high level? Are they doing okay? Are they tall? Are they athletic? And then you don't even have to check all those boxes. You just have to check one of those. And then your name just basically gets just thrown on this big Excel sheet. And then we watch what you do until you're 21. Yep. And it's like, do we need a goalie next year? Okay. Then let's, 
how many, when do we need a goalie? Do we need a goalie in one year, two years, three years? And that kind of gives a timeline. Who's the best goalie three, like they're going to be three years and more in junior, three years playing in junior. Okay. Then we need someone who's got three years and because we need them in three years, let's find someone that's having development. That's usually where we pick. Um, and it's, it's just a long list. And sometimes someone commits and we just cut them off the list and someone else grabbed them first. They saw them, they liked it. Okay. What do we, then who's next? Who's next? And eventually if someone's doing really well and we're like, okay, like we should get them now because we like them. They're on our list and we don't want anyone else to take them give them an offer. And that's, and that's just how like it works for most, most like college teams and scouting. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is to like put a big caveat here as well, that this is for people, teams that are traditionally outside of like the big top 10 teams. Oh right? yeah. Because yeah. it's a lot easier. It, again, it's a lot easier <laughs> when you're Boston college, you just call the NTDP and you say, Hey, uh, which one of them wants to come to our school? Which one of yes. your NTDB goalies would like to play at Boston College? Yeah, that's what BC does, yeah. right? If you're in Michigan, you just go, which which one of you 16-year-olds wants to commit? Yeah, exactly. Yes. Which one of you is prepared? Yeah. Are you in the U17 oh, you're a U17 NTDB? Are you at okay. the program? Okay. Yeah. You're in. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. And again, that's just the reality of it, right? So this conversation around kind of truthfully grinding it out in junior a little bit more is for, and that's where, you know, these more middle of the pack, smaller schools you know, the Michigan Techs, the Bowling Greens. I'm going to put that in the same loop just to make you upset. Uh, the Northern Michigans have to kind of <laughs> have to look at things a little bit different on a longer scale approach, right? Yeah. So again, this conversation is for people who the reality is, again, especially as a goalie, if you're not a really high uh, CHL draft pick, if you're in Canada, if you're not someone who's being invited to USA national camp, as a you know 15 16 year old the reality is you're probably going to have to grind it out and doing your little bit right that might be playing until you're 20 might be even playing and until that's 21. okay and there's nothing wrong with that if this is something that you're really serious for uh the reality is there is still there's still that belief that goaltenders take longer to develop so people are less likely to give young goalies a chance there's still the belief even in the junior especially the junior level where you know a young goalie can't take you to win a championship at the junior level and we've talked about this before but junior a junior b even junior c teams right? Their job is to try to win, yeah. right? They're trying to win. They're not, the focus point is not development. The focal point yeah. is winning. Development yeah. happens along the ride. The way, yeah. Yeah. Right. Development's and, more of a, like a, a, a college and pro kind of vision. Yeah. I mean, again, and this is, this is one of my biggest gripes, right? If, if your focus is on development, you're trying to get your players better. You will be a better team at the end of the year in junior. Mm -hmm. Right. I think that's, or you can just get all your OHL dropdowns and be the best junior A team in the world or sure. be, or WHL dropdowns. And then, yeah. So there's different, there's different ways to go about it. But the mm -hmm. point being that, yeah, like the, the scouting process is, is longer. And like you said before, you might get randomly seen by an assistant coach who works with the forwards for the college or, you know, the GM of a junior team who doesn't know anything about goaltending, but you know, likes what they may see visually. They don't, they're not yeah. analyzing things the same way that a goalie person would, right? Jamie, you said yeah. you're looking to see someone's skating ability, right? One of the biggest things I look at, so again, from my perspective to evaluating goalies on a scouting perspective, it's like, okay, where, where's their positioning? Look like, where are they standing and how are they adjusting position? Mm -hmm. Right. I, I think to a certain degree, uh, junior age goalies can, can get better at their skating. I think, you know, at 16, 17, 18, you have a pretty good idea of how they're going to skate moving forward. You're yeah. not going to suddenly become an ultra explosive goalie at 19. Uh, that's been probably pretty predetermined by your previous work, mm -hmm. but you can change how you play positionally. You Agreed. can improve your ability to scan the ice and read. So I like to see where the kind of their baseline is for that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then skating obviously is a big thing. And then also the thing that I'm most interested in is how are they tracking pucks, right? Yeah. It's real hard to teach puck tracking. Dare Super. I say, dare yeah. I say near impossible. Yeah, you can work on it and improve it. Uh, tracking is one of those things that some people are just going to be better at than, than others, but you can improve it to yeah, a degree. Sure. And then for me is that it's like the goalie IQ, your play reading, situational awareness. I just mm -hmm. I just lump that under goalie IQ in terms of do you understand what's going on? That for me is probably the most important because it could probably makes someone a little bit better of a tracker, a little bit better of a skater. Making someone smarter and understanding the game takes a long time it's not impossible but it takes a lot of effort and it takes and it is a huge investment in time and so like if you're getting if you need someone to step in and play next year 
and they don't get how they get how the game works or the reads aren't good or they don't understand how their abilities play within a system or how to ma- maximize their whether they're you know, not a great skater okay how's their depth and all those things um it's like okay do i want to invest all this time in this goalie or is there someone else who's you know maybe not strong at something but is able to do it and that's and that's ultimately what it comes down to but you had mentioned that um oftentimes it might be the assistant coach or someone that that, that catches you and so this is going to carry us into like scouting and i'm saying this in quotation marks scouting at like young age like we're talking you <laughs> 16 to 15 down um if triple a teams are not scouting like they're not scouting how it how it works is it's like you it's the tryouts so let's just say like the tryout period aside when you have those 30 goalies come out and you get like five shots and it's whittled down um most of the time it comes from just like watching and there's a there's a weird amount of movement when it comes to minor hockey but it just comes from watching your 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 opponents it's playing against another team you play yep. against the Toronto Junior Canadians or whatever, and you're like, hey, their goalie is really good. And then you find out at the end of the year that their goalie wants to go to a different organization. You're like, oh, he was really good against us. That's how it. That's how it works. Yep. Hundred um, percent. Or, or it's like, hey, um, there's a goalie out in San Jose who wants to come skate. Um, they're gonna send you the video. Okay, well, we're actually looking for a goalie because our goalies weren't great last year. Okay, we think they're better. Let's let's bring them in. That's yep. it. That's it. Like scouts yeah. aren't lining up out the door um, at AAA levels to do these organizations. It's a word of, it's a lot of word of mouth. It's a lot mm-hmm. of just your opponents. Someone might have happened to be watching their cousin at a game who coaches and that's how it works. Junior teams. Once you get to that junior eligibility age, which is U 16 uh, end up. Yeah. There, there will be some junior scouts at different, at different games. Totally. But no one is spending time, money or effort to scout 12 year olds. Hey, the BRICS tournament is still a thing, I think. Yeah, but it's a fun tournament <laughs> to go to, but you just, you just, it's just a tournament. You're going, and that's, yeah, I think like that's anything. where, where parents are, are always uh, sometimes get a little preoccupied with who's watching us, who's watching little Johnny or Jane. It's, 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 are they playing well? If they play well, then, then, and say you want to move to the, like your opponent, the, the coach is just going to be like, oh, yeah, they were good against us. No, they weren't good against us. That's what happened for me when I moved from Wellness to St. Catharines. Yeah. Frank was just like, hey, you were good against us last year. Yeah, I want to comply. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like that's it. Yeah. Like I, I cannot emphasize this enough. Obviously, Jamie and I had different career trajectories. He's went a little bit farther than mine. When I was on a, when I played U11, 12, 13, even a U14, I think across all those years, I won nine games or like 10 games, maybe across five seasons. I played on the worst minor hockey team in the province of Ontario growing up. We could not have been worse. Shout out the reps. Shout out the no longer existing Hamilton reps slash Huskies. Well, I guess the Huskies exist for one more year um, and then they're gone. But yeah, there is like, I was on the worst team ever, (laughs) basically. And None of that mattered because no one was ever going to watch anyway. Like no one, no. Did, no one cared at all what is going on at at fourteen. You, the people you hear, but like I said, you mentioned word of mouth. You will know who the best players at an age group are because they're just on the best team that hasn't lost all year and they have the most points. Like that's really as simple as it becomes. There's no yeah. actual scouting. It's like oh, the Marlies are forty four and oh, oh, Honey Baked hasn't lost a game since September. Who's yeah. their leading scorer? Oh, cool. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, and there's no scouting. There's a kind of natural migration of the best players at every age group want to go to the best team. So there's no scouting. The scouting just... comes from parents talking about their kids yeah. and posting on the internet. And I don't know if there's still are forums or there are parent run, um, like scouting things that you can actually pay money into to get your kid at a higher level. Yeah. And <laughs> that so used that, to be a thing, yeah. that, is, that it still is. And um, that that's where the scouting is. So it's not true scouting. And, you know, and I'm for Ben and I, and a lot of goalie coaches where I'm, I'm going to say the quiet part out loud here is we, we don't know if your 12 year old is going to be very good. No idea. <laughs> I don't like, yeah, sometimes there's 12 year olds that are good when they're 12. I'm like, you're yep. a good 12 year old. You're probably going to be a good 14 year old, but a lot can change. A ton can change. And we were talking about, I, said, I, I wasn't even a goalie though. I was 12. Yeah. 
So like, it's that's like increasingly more rare, but still, yeah, it's a good it's example. More rare, but like, there's so many different factors. There could be some kid who is not a goalie who's going to start being a goalie, and by the time they're 19, they're all they're really good. Yeah. And and you don't know, so it's just like, it's it's very difficult when I when parents are like, is my is my son or daughter are they good? Like, are they good right now, or are they yeah, good, be good, good for the their age? Sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. like I don't know. Maybe maybe they end up getting a boyfriend or girlfriend and they no longer want to play hockey. Maybe they want to play basketball. Maybe they want to do this. I, I don't know. Yeah. So I think is so anyone I'm... that said, sorry, I was going to say anyone that says like, Oh yeah, your, your, your kid's good. Come work with me. I'm going to get to the next level. should be a red flag. It's usually like, Hey, like I can, we're going to skate together and we're going to get better. And hopefully over the next 10 years, you're where you want to be. Yeah. Like I think first and foremost, we talk about this in, in the work, I, gosh, all this science, but the lab that I work in, we always talk about, we do research on talent identification and talent selection, right? So first of all, calling a 12 year old talented, I mean, sure, but it's probably best not to use that word. And it's probably best not to, to focus on that, right? Like, oh, your kid's so talented, they're going to make it. You well, no, your kid's just like your savant. Yeah, exactly. We don't, have the, <laughs> we don't have the crystal ball. And like, I have, I have this story, um, from, from my age growing up, there was two goalies my age growing up who one of them, Jamie and I trained with actually for a little while. Uh, one of them, we did not train with at all. Both of which were, you know, always talked about as the best goalies at my age group. And they were really great growing up. Awesome. Like no, like hands down, whenever I had to play those teams, I was like, dang, that's a good goalie on the other end of the ice. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them did not play a single game of junior hockey. Uh, they had some not so fun things happen in their life and they never played a game. They, they, that just happened mm -hmm. right and firstly uh, that same person one of the other people sort of stopped growing um sort of fell out of caring about hockey and by 17 played a season of junior c and then quit right like those were the best goalies in my age group yeah. one had awful like just awful circumstances happen to them the other you know had bad experiences didn't quite develop the way they thought and they're out of hockey right that happens all the time yeah Right. So don't, so I think the biggest point is, is, is if you're, you think, you know, it's not the end of the world. If you're on the, on a bad team at U 13, a bad team at U 14, heck it's not the end of the world. If you're on a bad team at U 16 or U 18, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's so much beyond that. So, and again, I'm going to talk more about myself. I didn't play on a winning hockey team, a team that finished over 500 until I was 17 years old. It took me. <laughs> so I, I made eight year old triple A, which is hilarious. Eight year old triple A is a forward way back in the day it took me 10 competitive seasons to play on a winning team and you still ended up playing at a decently high level hockey yeah right like and again do i wish i would have played on better teams yes that probably yeah. would have been more fun do i remember vividly losing all those games i do not <laughs> yeah there it's it just to summarize and to come to a conclusion is there for minor hockey there there isn't like true hardcore scouting. There's very little rhyme or reason. Athletic development and talent identification has been works with and is around some of the best in the world is so incredibly hard. And there's no, it's, it's, it's so difficult to identify. Once you get older, it's a lot of, it's a lot of people who really, who aren't experts trying to trying their best to make calls and to make decisions based on their body of knowledge and then once you get to the very high levels, it becomes a long-term development. Will do I do I think this person is going to be good eventually? And we don't know. That's why you see people get drafted and they never go anywhere. And that's why you see people that aren't drafted all of a sudden go somewhere. Because nobody knows. And it's very hard and it's very difficult. And no one has that crystal ball. So if you're a parent listening, relax. Yep. If you're, okay. if you're a goalie listening relax keep working keep working keep trying your best to do the right thing keep skating with goalie coaches keep training keep doing all the things on and off the ice have fun don't forget to be a kid and enjoy life but it doesn't really matter what you're doing it doesn't really matter where you are right now it's are you doing the things to get you better tomorrow and the next day and the next day and over 10 12 15 years have you put in that large body of work? Like everyone wants to, to wake up and be in the NHL or be in junior, but it doesn't happen. It's what are you doing for the many, many years leading up to it that makes the difference? And that 
ultimately matters in the long run. Yeah. And I think one like final note that it ties to minor hockey ties to junior. So again, I says only can only speak to my own, my own experiences and your own experiences, Jamie, but in minor hockey, no one cares about your goalie stats. They're, no, they're we talked about this in the stats one. We don't know the stats aren't even correct because the yeah. other goalie's parents are taking them and just shot shaving, and or yeah. your parents are taking them and adding shots in <laughs> randomly, right? And the same thing is true in junior hockey, right? The amount of yeah. people, Jamie, after that stat, the amount of people who messaged me and were like, but like the in, in stat says that I had 20 more shots than the actual score counted, and in stat's great, they should sponsor us. Uh, that they're not always right either on their shot count like i've tracked games where they were in stats been off by 10 as well Mm -hmm. so you know what i mean it's it's all messy but so ultimately yes sometimes scouts do care about your junior stats but again hopefully this is a big hopefully people are able to look a little bit beyond that yeah there's like a threshold like i'm it's going to be it's going to be hard to mm-hmm. to get really scouted with the goals against average of 7 and eight, save percentage of 800 or 80%. It's going to be hard to get scouted no matter how good you are with those numbers because mm-hmm. you're probably just on just an abysmal team. But, but in the end does it really matter because again someone walking into this the coach walks in and he goes, "Oh, that person looks like a goalie. I'm keeping yeah. an eye on him." That, yeah, exactly. like, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot, there's uh for better, for worse, there's a lot more that goes into it than your yeah. U13 stats or your junior B stats or whatever you want to call it. Correct. All right, Ben. Um, any other closing thoughts? Yes. Uh, I have one final thing that I always want to say. It's that if you're really worried about how you're being scouted or how you're, whether you're being scouted or how your kid's being scouted, one thing that you can always do to improve your odds is subscribe to Jamie Phillips's Patreon. That will help you get seen more. It is scientifically proven. I've run the numbers. If you are a Jamie Phillips Patreon subscriber, you're going in the first round of whatever draft you qualify for. You yes, absolutely. You you will have a nine 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 save percentage and a zero point zero one goals against. These statements have not been approved by the FDA or any <laughs> governing body. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, for those that do that do subscribe to the Patreon or just support us or listen or share, we do like we always say, we always appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, if you've never checked us out on YouTube, maybe try this episode. Let us know what you think. Um, I'm gonna play around with some editing, uh, making Ben do marginally more work by pressing record on his phone and not just his Zoom, even though I do all the heavy lifting. Oh, um, yep. okay. If you have anything you you want us, anything science-y things you want us to talk about or just goalie in general, um, let us know. We're always looking for ideas and we'll see everyone uh, next episode. Jamie, until next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 